It must be terrible being that miserable. Having to sit in a corner and scowl and pretend to only care about football results because the world's a terrible place and what's the point of it all anyway? Well, what is the point of it all? Who knows? Maybe it is football results. Welcome to the first Desert Island World Cup podcast from the Desert Island World Cup headquarters in Mobile, Alabama. I'm Sean Landry, and I'm here with a very upset New York Rangers fan. (laughs) Named Mitchell Cahaley. Oh, it was a rough one. It was a rough one. Incredible series, though. We're recording this minutes after the LA Kings have defeated the New York Rangers in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final, which have given the LA Kings the Stanley Cup. Um, I'll be quick about this. No one expected the Rangers to get here. This is a first-year coach. I'm unbelievably unbelievably proud of these guys. Um, and I'm interested to see what they do next year. This The Kings were the better team the whole series. It was super competitive. It was a lot of fun to watch. No hard feelings towards them. Uh, and I'm looking forward to next season. But that's not what this podcast is about. No, that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about the phenomenal first two days of World Cup play we've had at Brazil 2014. Oh, the World Cup is here. Yeah, it's after here. a long last. It's been a long wait. We've been building up to it our, you know, the past, you know, past three years, uh, in the Jurgen era especially, we've been building up to this moment, World Cup 2014. It's a lot to handle. It is. We've been waiting on this since we were 16. Yeah. Um, it is a lot to handle. It's intimidating in a way. It is, and uh, I we've been we've been busy hunkered down here in this headquarters all day watching matches and anticipating uh, eventual Rangers failure. Um, anyway, let's break this down. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Yesterday, the uh, group stages kicked off with uh, host nation Brazil taking on Croatia. Sean. What a match. Really everything that you could possibly want from a match. You know, Nick Hornby in uh, in Fever Pitch talked about his criteria for what makes a great match, and I think this checked every box except maybe there was something in there about a fight. But I don't think there was one. I don't think there was a fight. He misses one major uh, thing in a match, I, I feel. Because he says, you know, there has to be cards... Goals, so on and so forth. Controversy. Contro- well, did he say controversy? He does say controversy. I was going to say a dodgy refereeing He says decision. a dodgy refereeing penalty, preferably that goes against your team, but your team still wins. Yeah. It's, it's the best. I love a dodgy refereeing decision, which is why I love the World Cup. But, uh, so the match opens up. Um, Croatia comes out, really takes it to Brazil. They had a really good first ten minutes, resulting uh, in... A roundabout goal for them, scored by Marcelo of the Brazilians. It did go up for them. Uh, Croatia did come out really, really well. Um, it wasn't really that much of a surprise to us. We had, we rated this Croatia side. Uh, we knew Brazil was far and away the best team in their group. Uh, we expected their their countrymen to, to lift them up. Uh, but this is a talented Croatia side, and I don't think... Uh, even though they didn't actually score in the match, 
I don't necessarily know that the result was undeserved. I agree. I agree. About uh, what twenty minutes on from the match, uh, from the oh my goodness, <laughs> from the first goal, Neymar, the poster boy of the Brazilian national team, came on and uh, he didn't come on. He was already on the pitch, obviously, but he scored a phenomenal goal. Uh, got the ball a little, uh, I guess somewhere in midfield, stayed on his feet, uh, hit it from outside the box. It was a, a low roller into the right corner of the net. Possibly uh, should have been saved. He scuffed it a little bit. Probably should have been saved. Um, but it was still a beautiful goal. Goalkeeper picked it up. Later. And then late in the second half was that dodgy refereeing decision. Fred, Brazilian striker... Went down easily in the box um, of his own accord. And he was given a penalty, which Neymar um, put in. Sort of. Sort of. Um, He had an odd run-up, and the Croatian keeper got his hands on it and probably should have caught it. But let's talk about the Fred dive, the Fred uh, simulation, whatever whatever you want to call it. I personally don't... Rarely ever blame a player for making the most of a challenge. Um, yeah, and especially when it is making the most of a challenge. Uh, it was something we saw today in the uh, the penalty in the, uh, what was that, Dutch match? Well, yeah, the Spain and Netherlands right. match today had an interesting penalty call. Um, they are making the most of the contact, um, and the reason they do it is because they get rewarded for it. The system rewards players for simulating, and it's the job of the referee to identify that simulation and not to be caught out for it. Um, you can get into the discussion over whether replay is needed for this situations like that, because the referee obviously can't see every angle. He's seeing everything in real time. It's tough to make those calls, but... Um, it's kind of the same argument with the Luis Suarez handball uh, for Uruguay in the 2010 World Cup, which, to be fair, we might be biased because of who it was against. But uh, for those of you who don't remember, Luis Suarez deliberately and forcefully handled the ball on his own goal line to prevent Ghana from scoring, and then Ghana proceeded to not score on the ensuing penalty. Suarez was sent off but said he didn't regret it because... He broke the rules to save his country. And that's essentially what's going on with simulation like that. They gain a competitive advantage and can't really fault them for that. Later on in the match, in stoppage time, Oscar, beautiful Galazzo, um, make it 3-1. I think we have a little bit of a differing opinion on whether that was a fair result. I believe that the Brazilians outplayed the Croatians after the starting 10 minutes uh, for you know, large uh, spaces, large sections of the match. Um, I think that Brazil deserved all three points today. I think you um, think that a draw would probably be a more fair result. Um, I don't necessarily have an issue with Brazil winning. I think they probably were the better side on the day. Talking about who deserves to win is always an interesting concept when it comes to, to sports because in the absence of egregious manipulation, you would say the 
team that deserves the win is the team that scored the most goals, the team that does, in fact, win. In this case, I think that uh, Croatia has a legitimate complaint, uh, and a 2-2 scoreline would not have been misleading. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't necessarily have an issue with the 3-1 scoreline. I don't think it damages Croatia's hopes of going through. No, I still have Croatia coming out of the group. Um, even after a performance from another team in that group. So let's move on to talk about the next match. And we have a special button that will take us there. Alright, today opened up <laughs> with Mexico beating Croatia by a score of 1 0. Mexico beating him? Oh my god. Cameroon. <laughs> uh, two totally different countries, two totally different peoples. Two totally different regions. Everything is very different about Croatia and Cameroon. Do you think if the lone Croatian fan in the Brazil fan zone was a Cameroonian, he would have had a better time or a worse time? Um. I think you would have had a better time. Yeah. yeah. You're not having to watch your team lose. Yeah. Anyway, Mexico won, Cameroon nil. I was... They have the same color, so I'm sure they're kindred spirits. It's true. It's true. The Cameroonians and the Brazilians. Um, I was impressed by Mexico today. Mexico, well, and that in Group A, anyway, have looked like the best team playing. I don't necessarily know if that's something that's going to last. I don't know how Mexico will stand up against Brazil or Croatia, for that matter. But they look very good against a Cameroon side that we really didn't rate. That a lot of people rated. And I, I personally um, am not that high on this uh, Cameroonian side. No, um, the Cameroonian side is characterized by some outstanding talent, but surrounded by replacement players, I guess would probably be the best way to put that. Mexico really dominated this match and, um, of course, should have won more handily than they actually did. Um, they had 58% of possession. Um, they had two goals wrongfully disallowed for offside. Uh, Cameroon put up a good fight. They got ten shots, four shots on goal, one more total shot, one fewer shots on goal than did Mexico. Um, they contended very well. Uh, Samuel Eto thoroughly embarrassed himself. Ah, this, uh, you know, he really boffed a chance, a pretty clear chance, like some at some point during the game. I don't remember exactly when, but it reminded me of Brian, the basketball coach from The Bachelorette, a week or two ago when he told Andy that he would hit a half-court shot when they were in Connecticut, and he drains a half-court shot. Like, it's only going to happen one time. You're going to call it, and then you do it. And then you don't kiss the girl? I mean, she obviously was moving in. She was ready for it. Um, that's what happened with Samuel Eto'o today. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Croatia... Or Cameroon... Wow. Uh, Croatia's, to be fair, Croatia is on the screen in front of me. Didn't Cameroon uh, have the ball in the net and have it disallowed? I believe they did. Yeah. But that was, a, that was an offside goal that was deserved. It was, in fact, offside. Which brings us to the two Mexican goals that were not, in fact, offside. And that were disallowed. Um, good goals. Very good goals. Just not on the score sheet. And I... Of course, you know, you think maybe something dodgy is up here, but... Um, you know, 
Linesmen aren't going to make every call. He should have been able to make that first call, though, definitely. That should have definitely counted the uh, Giada Santos goal that was yeah. disallowed. Um, it's unsettling. I hope that, or I hope that FIFA will uh, resolve that and we won't see that gentleman on the line for any more matches. Um, the same thing with the fellow from the Brazil game. The I don't. I'm not going to be too hard on them. The the result. Uh, Mexico deserved the result. They got the result. They got all three points. They didn't get cheated out of anything, except for two goals that could help in goal difference, which might make a um, huge difference coming down to this group if Mexico can keep playing the way they can. Fascinated to see that match, Mexico-Croatia, on the final day of the group stages. Uh, the Oribe Peralta goal in the 61st minute was uh, off a deflection, good goal, um, solid, it had been coming a long time. Miguel Herrera celebrated like he was a madman, because he might be a madman, but I like him for that. He's a fun character, and I'm, he might be the Maradona of this World Cup. Ooh. Maradona that's, that's of, 20, of 2010. Coach that's, Maradona of 2010. That's bold. Well, did we have, you know... We've got a ways, we have to, a ways go to go before, before we, make we that see call. all coaches, but he is, he is in the running for our Maradona Award. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's... Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about this match? Uh, you know, I don't think so. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to our next match. <laughs> oh, we're going to use that to let things... That song is not relevant anymore. Um, oh, this was the big one. The big one. The one everyone had been talking about. The one that may or may not have been set up by FIFA to... Happened in the first round. Spain I don't know what you could be implying. The Netherlands. A rematch of last year's final. Now, we should say that this is the Netherlands, correct? And not Holland. Right. Uh, to my understanding, provided by Ruud van Nistelrooy, um, Holland and the Netherlands are not the same thing. I don't fully comprehend what the difference is. But... They are not interchangeable, according we, to both the New York Times and Rude Venice. If we have any Dutch listeners who disagree with that, give us a call. Let us know. Facebook us, tweet us, anything. This match will go down in history as one of the all-time most shocking World Cup results of all damn time. It was absurd. Ugh. So, uh... I, I don't know how you felt about the first half. I felt like it was um, a bit... I don't want to say cagey, but it was looking like more of the same. Like, we were going to have a repeat of last year. It was going to be a one-goal win. And then Diego Costa, uh, the um, traitor and turncoat, as John Champ Campion uh, said so eloquently today on the broadcast, uh, born in Brazil playing for Spain, drew a dodgy penalty in the box. A penalty that I think was deserved. It would probably have been given anyway. He made the most of it. And then it was um, Xavi Alonso who stepped up, who hasn't scored for Spain, in, or club or country for that matter, in two years to slot it away. Thoughts on the penalty call? Um, I think it probably was not really a penalty but um 
It was a penalty drawn, if that makes sense. I, you know, when referees have meetings on, um, you know, judging who gets to do the next round of games and whatnot, they all talk like you just talked in that up talk. <laughs> like, that was probably not, but I could see how you went that way with it. <laughs> Which is why we keep getting bad referees. But, that's the way the game goes. Um, and really, it didn't matter. It did not matter. No, it did matter not matter. Because Spain, uh, on the backs of a, uh, you know, after a goal from a flying dolphin that looked a lot like Robin Van Persie at the end of the first half, uh, came in strong in the second half and put in four straight. I I never expected this. I don't think anyone expected no, this. No, no, no. We actually... It was so un-Dutch of them, the way they came out in the second half. or the it, it was the opposite of the way the Dutch team had played Spain and played with each other, and it looked for a while... Don't say it. ...like Arjen Robin and... Robin and Percy actually liked each other. Ah. You thought it was going to say total football. I did think he was going to say total football. It did not look like total football. Which it didn't look like. It's the same thing with Samba in Brazil. There's those... <laughs> Brazil and Samba don't always have to go together. Just like the Dutch and total football doesn't always have to go together. No, total football is, is a totally uh, different thing. the San Antonio Spurs. Ooh. Always goes left. Uh, what was your favorite goal? Ooh. Probably... <laughs> My favorite goal is probably the goal where Robin didn't have to go left and, and then insisted in on going left. Uh-huh. I know Sean's not going to pick the Van Persie goal no. because of, you know, Arsenal. And I'm not a big Robin Van Persie fan either because he plays for Man United and, you know, ugh. But, oh, that was a beautiful goal. That was a beautiful, beautiful first goal. It was, it really was... Something special, and it's the kind of goal that he always scores that just kind of makes you stop for a while. And I think Arsenal could use a player like him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He should have had another one where he took a right-footed volley, which was shocking to me because I can't remember the last time I saw him score with his right foot. Well, um, it was a, it was a it, it felt like eventually it got to a point where it was like oh. Of course the Dutch score again. Um, it did. So it was amazing. Um, I'm not going to write off the Spaniards, because only a fool would do that. And I'm not going to say that the Dutch are moving on to the next round. I mean, what I, was, I remember what I was going to say, and that was that we were writing off the Dutch. We were writing off the Dutch. We were scoffing at the Dutch. Indeed. And uh, they came out and did this. But I'm still not sold... On the Dutch making it through the next round. Uh, because you believe in Chile. Chi, chi, chi. Le, le, le. Who played in the final match of the day? Chile versus Australia. Tighter affair than, um, than expected. The Chileans came out unbelievably well, barnstorming. I know that's not what that word means, but you know what I mean. Uh, put in two goals uh, early on and um, looked like, you know, everyone was saying they looked like trouble. They looked like they really going to do this. And then Tim Cahill scores a header. 
And it was a good header. Uh, well, aren't all Tim Cahill headers good headers, though? Death taxes and Tim Cahill in the air. Um, so Sanchez scored. Not a diva scored. Um, the Chileans... I don't want to say they were pinned back after the Cahill goal, but they were definitely a little frantic. They were on the back foot. They did Yeah, not... definitely at the end of the first half. Tim, Tim scored... About 10 minutes till halftime. They were on the back foot. They come out in the second half, and I think they uh, you know, got in a little bit. They played a little more defensively. Um, Australia was able to take it to them a bit, but I really don't think there was any. There were very few real chances um, for the Australians. They had six shots on goal, 13 total shots, but you know, very few real chances in the second half. It became an underwhelming performance for Chile. Um, they sealed the deal in the 90th minute with Jean Balsajor. And, um, but yes, even though it was an underwhelming performance, I think it was professional. And it showed that they can lock, lock down, and they, I think they can do something in this group. I think, regardless, Chile goes out second. I'm going to stick with my Chile goes out second pick, even if the Dutch somehow managed to... Take the top of the table. Um, Chile will need a lot from Alexis Sanchez going forward. Vidal. Uh, Vidal, yeah. Um, really, the story of the match is the impressive performance from the Australians. It, it was quite plucky. It was more than we ever expected yeah. from the Australians. Um, they looked... They they were stuck in at the back. They were professional. They were hardworking. They played their hearts out. Mm -hmm. um, and they looked threatening going forward at times. They were a little one-dimensional. They didn't have a lot to do. They kind of got uh, down the flanks and to the outside of the box and then looked for the header uh, kind of in the vein of the lower league traditional English football bastardized side. Bastardized English football. Yeah. And really, the Australians are all just bastardized Englishmen. Hey-oh. I love Shots Australia. again. I love Australia. Something, something about this. It must be the stress of the Stanley Cup or oh. something. Uh, but for real, though, Australia. I love you guys. Yeah, uh, it was well done. Tim Cahill, um, very hard worker, mm -hmm. looked potent going forward. Um, well done, Australia. They did themselves proud. Um, Jedinak was put in a, a, a good shift in the uh, in the midfield for them. I'm just interested to see what they do next. Yeah, um, I'm interested to see how they do going forward and how Spain does going forward. It's an interesting group. Every group is an interesting group in this World Cup. It's an amazing World Cup. Um, it should also be noted that if you are an American, or if you're anybody, but especially if you're an American... Uh, that there are some big U.S. Open Cup matches happening at the moment, and tomorrow night, the New York Red Bull, um, Tim, Hay Tim Cahill's team, will be playing the New York Cosmos. It's uh, going to be streamed on ussoccer.com, and I know Ivory Coast and Japan will be going on at the same time, but you should definitely check a look at that. It's a big match, and it's um, important that you support the U.S. Open Cup. All right, well, let's, um, I don't want to take too much time on our preview for tomorrow because we are uh, pushing it. We're going long here, and we have a lot to get to tomorrow. So uh, I'll take you to our preview for Saturday. Turn down for one.
Four games tomorrow. Colombia and Greece. Uruguay and Costa Rica. England and Italy in the Cote d'Ivoire against Japan. Uh, hot takes on all four matches. Oh, it's going to be a great day. It four days. Be it's going to be a marathon. It's going to be really nice. Yeah. Um, Colombia and Greece. The Colombians, it's a shame there's no Ramadal Falcao in this tournament. He would have been a star. That's the storyline. I still expect Colombia to come through that on top. Really? I'm going scoreless draw. Um, I have that much faith in the Greek defense. And I have Colombia coming out of the group. Uruguay and Costa Rica. The Uruguayans are um, something special. They have a lot of talent. Um, they have some questions. Who knows if Suarez is going to be fully fit. They really should take it to Costa Rica. My second most hated CONCACAF team, but I will support the Costa Ricans against Uruguay because CONCACAF. I will also. Come on. Come on the half, Ticos. Half birth for the uh, World Cup qualifying. Uh, yes. But yeah, they should probably, Luis Suarez will score 100 goals. <laughs> England and Italy. Uh, oh, it's going to be awful. Uh, <laughs> I, we literally <laughs> fell asleep during the Euro uh, semifinal, quarterfinal, um, against England, during England. But... England has something they didn't have before. Uh, gentlemen with names that don't sound English? Well, I was going to say and Jack Wilshere back. But both. Yeah. Um, there's some pacey youngsters in this English side, and I'm excited to watch them. I'm excited to see who old boy Hodgson starts. And um, if they can... There's two teams that know each other very well, too, so it should uh, lend itself to a great match or a tedious, boring, nil-nil draw, just what we'll most likely get. Uh, the Ivory Coast and Japan. Um, Costa de Marfil in Spanish. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Uh, this is going to be a good one. This is going to be interesting. Yes. Japan's always interesting. Yes, to they see. are. It's, those are two totally different styles of football coming and meeting each other. It's the brute force of the elephants of Ivory Coast against the speedy midfield of the Japanese. Are they called elephants? I think they are the elephants. Well, That's weird. They don't seem like elephants. I'm 99% sure they're the elephants. Yeah, but I just mean like their players don't say they're not very elephantine. No, but they're bigger That's than the, the Japanese. Elephant, right? Yeah, yeah, Tori is kind of elephanty. I always say okay. he's more like a, a, a gazelle. Yeah, but that's, uh, that's those long strides. Very strong gazelle. Yeah. Um, I am picking the Ivory Coast to come through this because I think that their attacking talent and athleticism is something to uh, be feared. And I like them and their group. I am also have I also have the Ivory Coast coming second in their group. Um, Colombia finishing first. I expect the Ivory Coast to win. I expect Japan to score a beautiful goal though off a set piece, free kick, not a corner. Okay. All right. Well, that's all we have for you on our first World Cup quickie. We hope to get um, these to you as frequently as possible. Um, do you have anything else you want to say? Oh, uh, you know, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Happy World Cup, Shanzi. Happy World Cup. Talk to you soon, guys.